0: part nine section two of a christmas miscellany twenty nineteen by various authors this librivox recording is in the public domain part nine holiday tales christmas in the adirondacks john norton's vagabond by william henry harrison murray section two the old trapper evidently relished the mirthfulness of his companion for his face was lighted with the amused expression of the humorist when he has told to an appreciative comrade an experience against himself but in an instant his countenance dropped and looking at the huge kettle that stood half buried in the coals and warm ashes in front of the glowing logs and into which bill had been so determinedly thrusting his ladle only a moment before he exclaimed "Bell, i've lost all confidence in your cooking abilities you said that you knew the natur of corn meal and that you could fill a puddin bag judiciously and though it isn't ten minutes since you tied the string and the meal isn't half swollen yet your whole bag there is on the point of coming out of the pot at this alarming announcement wild bill jumped for the fireplace and in an instant he had placed the spade-shaped end of his ladle whose handle was full three feet long at the very centre of the lid that was already lifted two inches from the rim of the kettle and was putting a good deal of pressure upon it confident in his ability to resist any further upward tendency and to escape the threatened catastrophe he coolly replied "'It strikes me that you are a good deal excited over a little matter, old man. The meal has got through swellin.' "'No, it hasn't,' returned the trapper. aft the carnals haven't felt the warmin' of the hot water yet, and I can see that the old lid is liftin.' "'No, it isn't lifting, either, John Norton,' continued Wild Bill determinedly, "'and it won't lift unless the shaft of this ladle snaps.' the ladle will be a good returned the trapper now fully assured that no human power could avert the coming catastrophe and keenly enjoying his companion's extremity in the humour of the situation the ladle will be a good for i fashioned it from an old paddle of second growth ash whose blade i had twisted in the rapids and ye can put your whole weight on it old man cried bill now thoroughly alarmed the lid is lifting certainly certainly returned the trapper it's lifted fully half an inch since you placed your ladle to it and it'll keep on lifting rover knows what is coming as well as i do for a old dog as you see begins to edge away and sport has started for the door already what shall i do john norton what shall i do the lid is lifting again is your ladle well placed bill have you got it in the center of the lid returned the trapper "'Dead in the center, old man,' responded Bill confidently, "'dead in the center. "'Put your whole weight on it, then, "'and don't waste a strength in talkin'. "'You know your own strength, "'and I know the strength of Indian meal "'when hot water gets at it, "'and if the ladle don't slip or the kettle lid split, "'it's about nip and tuck atween ye, "'Old man!' yelled Bill, "'as he put his whole weight on the ladle handle. "'This lid has lifted again. "'Get a stick and come here and help me.' now bill answered the trapper the puddin is of your own mixin and you must attend to the job yourself i stuck to your box with a hole underneath me and a pig under the hole till somethin happened and ye must stick to your puddin but i can't hold it down john norton yelled poor bill the lid is lifted again and the whole darned thing is comin out of the pot i concede as much as i concede as much answered the trapper there go the pups out of the door bill and when the dogs quit the cabin it's time for the master to and the old man started for the door the catastrophe who could describe it bill's strength was adequate but no human power could save the pudding even as bill put his strength on to the ladle the wooden cover of the kettle split with a sharp concussion in the middle the kettle was upset and poor bill covered with ashes and pursued by a cloud of steam shot out of the door and plunged into the snow oh laughter sweet laughter laugh on and laugh ever in the smile of the babe thou comest from heaven in the girl's rosy dimples in the boy's noisy glee in the humour of strong men and the wit of sweet women thou art seen as a joy and a comfort to us humans when fortune deserts and friends fall away he who keeps thee keeps solace and health hope and heart in his bosom when the head groweth white and the eye getteth dim and the soul goeth out through the slow closing gates of the senses be thou then in us and of us thou sweet angel of heaven that the smile of the babe in its first happy sleep may come back to our faces as we lie at the gates in our last and perhaps most peaceful slumber the laughter and the labour of the day were ended the work of the preparation for the dinner on the morrow had extended well into the evening and at its conclusion the two men satisfied with the result of the pleasant task and healthily weary retired to their cots it is needless to say that the thoughts of each were happy and their feelings peaceful and to such slumber comes quickly outside the world was white and still with the stillness that precedes the coming of a winter storm Through the voiceless darkness a few feathery prophecies of coming snow were settling lazily downward. The great stones in the fireplace were still white with heat, and the cabin was filled with the warm afterglow of burned logs and massive brands that ever and anon broke apart and flamed anew. Suddenly the trapper lifted himself on his couch, and looking over toward his companion said, bell didn't you hear the bells ring? wild bill lifted himself to his elbow and in sheer astonishment stared at the trapper for he well knew there wasn't a bell within fifty miles the old man noticed the astonishment of his companion and realizing the incredibility of the supposition said as if in explanation of the strangeness of his questioning this be the night on which the memory takes the home trail bill and the thoughts of the aged go backward and laying his head again on the pillow he murmured i certainly conceded i hear the bells ringin." and then he slept ay ay old trapper we of whitening heads know the truth of thy saying and thy dreaming thou didst hear the bells ring for often as we sleep on christmas eve the ringing of bells comes to us marriage-peal and funeral knell chimes and tolling clash of summons and measured stroke dying noises from a dead past swelling and sinking sinking and swelling like falling and failing surf on a wreck-strewn beach ah me where be the ships the proud white-sailed ships the rich laden ships whose broken timbers and splintered spars lie now dank and weed-grown sand-covered on that sorrowful shore on that mournfully resounding shore of our past but other bells thank god sound for us all old trapper on christmas eve not the bells of the past but the bells of the future and they ring loud and clear and they will ring for ever for they are swung by the angels of god and they tell of a new life a new chance and a new opportunity for us all morning dawned the day verified the trapper's prophecy for it came with storm the mountain back of the cabin roared as if aerial surf was breaking against it the air was thick with snow that streamed whirled and eddied through it dry and light as feathers of down never mind the storm Bill said the trapper cheerily as he pushed the door open in the grey dawn and looked out into the maze of whirling rushing snowflakes ah, you may be hindered and one or two fetched through a leetle late but there'll be an earnest movement of teeth when the hour for eatin comes and the plates be well filled dinner was called prompt to the hour and again was the old man's prediction realized the table lacked not guests for nearly every chair was occupied twenty men had breasted the storm that they might be at that dinner and some had traversed a thirty-mile trail that they might honor the old man and share his generous cheer it was a remarkable and perhaps we may say a motley company that the trapper looked upon as he took his place knife and fork in hand at the head of the table with a hound on either side of his great chair to perform the duty of host and chief carver rand said the trapper standing erect in his place and looking cheerfully at the row of bearded and expectant faces on either hand in front of him friends i ask you to come and eat this christmas dinner with me because i love the companionship of the woods and hated on this day a human feasting and gladness to eat my food alone i also conceded that some of you felt as i did and that the day would be happier if we spent it together i knew furthermore that some of you were not born in the woods but were newcomers driven here as a canoe to a beach in a gale and that the day might be long and lonesome if you had to stay in your cabins from morning till night alone by yourselves and i also conceded that here and there might be a man who had been unfortunate in his trappings or his ventures in the settlements and might actually be in need of food and garments or it may be he had acted wickedly at times and had lost confidence in his own goodness and the goodness of others and i said i will make the terms of the invitation broad enough to include each and all whoever and whatever he may be and now friends continued the old man I be glad to see you at my table, and I hope you've brought a good appetite with you, for the victuals be ready, and no one need scrimp the size of his eatin'. Let us all eat heartily and be merry, for this be Christmas. If you've had bad luck in the past, we'll hope for better luck in the future, and take heart. If we've been heavy-hearted or sorrowful, we will chirk up. If any have wronged us, we will forgive and forget. But well, this be Christmas, friends, and Christmas be a day for forgivin' and forgettin'. And now, continued the old man, as he flourished his knife, and grasped the huge fork preparatory to plunging it into the venison haunch in front of him, with good appetite and a cheerful mind let us all fall to eatin'. 3. Thus went the feasting hunger had brought its appetite to the plentiful table and the well-cooked bayans provoked its indulgence if the past of any of the trapper's guests had been sorrowful the unhappiness of it for the moment was forgotten stories crisp as snow-crust and edged with aptness happy memories and reminiscences of frolic and fun sly hits and keen retorts jokes and laughter rollicked around the table and shook it with mirthful explosions the merriment was at its height when a loud summons sounded upon the door it was so imperious as well as so unexpected that every noise was instantly hushed and every face at the table was turned in surprise to wait the entrance come in cried the trapper cheerily however you be you'd be welcome if you be a little late the response of him who so emphatically sought admission to the feast was as prompt as his summons had been determined for without an instant's delay or the least hesitancy of movement the great door was pushed suddenly inward and a man stepped into the room a sturdy fellow he was swarth of skin and full whiskered His hair was black and coarse and grown to his shoulders. His eyes were black as night, largely orbed under heavy brows, not lacking a certain wicked splendour. His face was strongly featured and stamped in every line and curve and prominence with the impress of unmistakable power. In his right hand he carried a rifle and in his left a bundle snugly packed and protected from the storm in wrappings of oiled cloth the strong light into the circle of which he had so suddenly stepped blinded him for a moment while to those who sat staring at him it brought out with vivid distinctiveness every feature of his strong and save for a certain hardness of expression handsome face it was evident that the man whoever he was and whatever he might be was under the pressure of some impulse or conviction which had urged him on to the trapper's cabin and the trapper's presence for no sooner had he closed the door and shaken the snow, with which he was covered, from his garments, than, regardless of those who sat staring in startled interrogation at him, he strode to the head of the table where the old trapper sat, and, looking him straight in the face, said, Do you know who I am, John Norton? Certainly, answered the trapper. ye be shanty, Jim, and you camped these three year and more at the outlet of Bog Lake. "'Do you know that I am a thief and a sneak-thief at that?' continued the newcomer, speaking with a fierce directness that was startling. "'I've conceded you was,' answered the trapper calmly. "'Do you know it? Know it to a certainty?' And the words came out of his mouth like the thrust of a knife. "'Yes, I know that you'll be a thief, Shanty Jim,' replied the trapper. "'Know it to a certainty.' "'Do you know that I have stolen skins from you, old man, skins and traps both?' continued the other. "'I laid an ambush for you once at the falls of Bog River, and I seed you take an otter from a trap that I sought,' replied the trapper. "'Why didn't you shoot me when I stood skin in hand?' queried the self-confessed thief. "'I can't tell.' answered the trapper for my eye was at the sights and my finger out in the trigger and the feelin' o nature was strong within me to crop one of your ears then and there shanty jim but somethin' mayhap the spirit of the lord stayed my finger and you went with your thieving in your hand to your camp untouched and unhindered do you know what brought me to this cabin and to your presence the presence of the man whose skins and whose traps i have stolen and made me confess to his face and before these men here that i am a thief and a scoundrel do you know what brought me here a miserable cuss that i am and have been for years john norton and the man's speech was the speech of one who had been educated to use words rightly and was marked with intense even dramatic earnestness i can't conceive unless the spirit of the lord the spirit of the lord had nothing to do with it interrupted the other fiercely if there is any influence at work in this world as the preachers tell of why has it not prevented me from being a thief why did it not prevent me from doing what i did and being what i was in my youth me whose mother was an angel and whose father was a patriarch no it was nothing under god's heaven old man but your invitation scrawled with a coal on a bit of birch bark inviting anyone in these woods who needed victuals and clothes and a right spirit to come to your cabin on christmas day and had you written nothing else i would not have cared a cuss for it or for you but you did write something else and it was this vagabonds included in this invite when i read that old man my breath left me and i stood and stared at the letters on that bark as a devil might gaze at a pardon signed with the seal manual of the almighty for in my hand was a trap that bore the stamp j n and the skin of an otter i had taken from the trap and there i stood a thief and a scoundrel with your property in my hands and read your invitation to all the needy in the woods to come to your cabin on christmas day and that vagabonds were included.' "'Well, that meant you, by thunder,' exclaimed Wild Bill. "'Yes, it did mean me,' returned Shanty Jim, and I knew it. Standing there in the snow, with the stolen skin and trap in my hand, I realized what I was and what John Norton was, and the difference between him and myself and most of the world.' i went to the tree to which the bark that bore the blessed letters was nailed i took it down from the tree i placed it next my bosom and buttoned my coat above it and thus resting upon my heart i bore it to my shanty it was as good as a bible to you said wild bill A Bible, rejoined the man with emphasis, better than all Bibles, better than churches and preachers, better than formal texts and utterances, for that bit of bark told me of a man here in the woods, good enough and big enough to forgive and forget. All that night I sat and gazed at that piece of bark, and the writing on it, and as I gazed my heart melted within me, for there it was, ever before my eyes, vagabonds included in this invite." vagabonds included in this invite and finally the words passed into the air and wherever i looked i saw vagabonds included in this invite yes them be the very words i read said the trapper gravely. and i saw more than the words written on the bark john norton resumed the man for looking at it i saw all my past life and the evil of it and what a scoundrel i had become my eyes saw with a new sight and i said when the sun comes up i will rise and go to the man who wrote those words and tell him what they did for me and here i am a vagabond who has accepted your invitation to spend christmas with you and here in this pack are the skins and the traps i have stolen from you and i ask your forgiveness and that you will take my hand in proof of it that i may come to your table feeling that i am a man and a vagabond no longer heart and hand be yours now and forever shanty jim cried trapper joyfully and rising from his chair he met the outstretched hand of the repentant vagabond with his own hearty grasp and may the lord be with you forevermore amen it was wild bill the once drunkard who said the sweet word of prayer and assent and he said it softly and that murmur of amen and amen went around the great table like the murmur of prayer and of praise and then it passed out and rose up from the cabin and the air in its joy passed it on and the stars took it up and thrilled it around their vast courses of glorified light and through the high heavens it sang itself onward from order to order of angels until it reached him whom no man hath seen or may ever see in all and over all god blessed for ever has nature knowledge is she conscious of the evil and the good among men and has she a heart that saddens at their sorrow and rejoices in their joy perhaps for suddenly even as the two men joined their hands the fury of the storm checked itself and a stillness the stillness of a great calm fell on the woods and through the sudden the unexpected the blessed stillness to the ears of one of the two men yea to him who had forgiven there came the melody of bells swinging slowly and softly to and fro oh bells invisible bells bells of the soul bells high in heaven swing softly swing low swing sweet and swing ever for us one and all when we at our tables sit feasting swing for us living swing for us dying and may the cause of your swinging be our forgiving and forgetting John Norton, said the man, you have called me Shanty Jim, and that is well, for in the woods here that is my name. But in the city where I lived and whence I fled, fled because of my misdeeds, years ago, I have another name, a name of power and wealth and honor for more than two centuries. There I have a home, and in that home tonight sits my aged father and white haired mother. I am going back to them, clothed and in my right mind think of it old trapper, going back to my home my boyhood home to my father and my mother all day as i tramped on the trail toward your cabin my mind has been filled with memories of the past and the words of a sweet old song i used to sing when too young to feel the tenderness of it have been ringing in my ears sing us the song sing us the song cried wild bill and every man at the table cried with him sing us the song ay ay assented the trapper sing us the song shanty jim we be men of the woods at this table and some of us had losses and sorrows and all of us have memories of happy days that be gone stand here by my side and sing us the song that has been ringing in your ears all day this is a table of feastin and feastin means more than eatin sing us the song that tells you of the past of your boyhood days and father and mother oh the secrets of the woods how many have fled to them for concealment and refuge in them piety has built its retreat learning has sought retirement broken pride a mask and misfortune a haven and in response to the trapper's invitation there had come to his cabin and were now grouped about his table more of ability more of knowledge more of struggle and failure and more of reminiscence than might be found perhaps in the same number of guests at any other table on that christmas day in the world never did singer sing sweeter or more touching song or to more receptive company Backward, turn backward, O time in your flight. Make me a child again, just for tonight. Mother, come back from the echoless shore. Take me again to your heart as of yore. Kiss from my forehead the furrows of care. Smooth the few silver threads out of my hair. Over my slumbers your loving watch keep. Rock me to sleep, mother, rock me to sleep. Chorus clasp to your heart in a loving embrace with your light lashes just sweeping my face never hereafter to wake or to weep rock me to sleep mother rock me to sleep over my heart in the days that are flown no love like mother love ever has shown no other worship abides and endures faithful unselfish and patient like yours none like a mother can charm away pain from the sick soul and the world-weary brain slumber's soft calms o'er my heavy lids creep rock me to sleep mother rock me to sleep chorus come let your brown hair just lighted with gold fall on your shoulders again as of old let it drop over my forehead to-night shading my faint eyes away from the light FOR WITH ITS SUNNY-EDGED SHADOWS, ONCE MORE, HAPLY WILL THRONG THE SWEET VISIONS OF YORE, LOVINGLY, SOFTLY, ITS BRIGHT BILLOWS SWEEP, ROCK ME TO SLEEP, MOTHER, ROCK ME TO SLEEP. CHORUS NEVER WAS THE SWEET AND TOUCHING SONG SUNG UNDER MORE SUGGESTIVE CIRCUMSTANCES, AND NEVER WAS IT RECEIVED INTO MORE RECEPTIVE HEARTS. The voice of the repentant vagabond was of the finest quality, a pure resonant tenor, and through the splendid avenue of expression which the words and music of the song made for his emotions, he poured his soul forth without restraint. The effect of his effort was what would be expected when the character of the audience and the occasion is considered. Many an eye was wet with tears and the voices that took up the refrain here and there trembled with emotion the old trapper himself was not unmoved for as the song closed after a few moments of silence he said ye sang the song well shanty jim and many be the memories it has stirred in the breast of us all May your homecoming be as happy as was the boys we read of in the scripture, although I never could conceit why the mother was not there to go forth to meet him and fall on his neck with the father, and if I had the writing of it, I'd had the mother get him a legal first, and hers the first arms that was thrown around his neck, for that would be more natural, as I conceit, and I certainly trust, as do all of us here, that you will find mother and father both waiting and watchin' for you when you... Curve of the trail brings you in the side of the cabin, and ye certainly will take with you the good wishes of us all. Come, take the chair here by my side, and we will all talk as we eat. I and sing too, for this be Christmas, and Christmas be the time for eatin' and singin', but above all for forgivin' and forgettin'. At the word, the happy feasters went on with the feasting. Long and merry was the meal as the hours passed the eating ceased and the feast of reason and the flow of soul began memories of other days were recalled confessions made sorrow for misdoings felt and spoken and gradually growing as grows the light of dawn a fine atmosphere of hope charity and courage spread from heart to heart until at last it filled with its genial and illuminating presence every bosom in such a mood on the part of the hosts and guests alike the feast came to its close his christmas dinner had been all that the old trapper had hoped and his heart was filled with happiness he rose from his chair and standing erect in his place said Ye yeah, tell me that the time has come for ye to go, and I dare say ye'd be right. But I be sorry we must part, for in partin we be never sure of a meetin', and therefore, as I can seat, all the partins on the arth be more or less sad. But all parted trails, it may be, will come together in the end. But before ye go, I want to thank ye for coming, and I hope you will all come again, and whenever your needs or your feelings incline ye this way one thing i want to say to ye in goin and i want ye to take it away with ye for it may help some of ye to aid some unfortunate man and to feel as happy as i feel to-night it is this and here the old man paused a moment and looked with the face of an angel at his guests as they stood gazing at him and then he impressively said i've lived nigh on to eighty year and my head be whitening with the comin and goin of the years i've lived and the book has long been in my cabin i have kept many a christmas alone and in company both but never before have i knowed the real meaning of the day nor read the lesson of it right and this be the lesson that i have learned and the one i want you all to take away with ye as you go that christmas is a day of feasting and giving and laughing but above everything else it is a day for forgiven and forgetting some of you be young and may your days be long on the earth and some of your heads be as white as mine and your years be not many but be that as it may whether our christmas days be many or few when the right day comes round let us remember in good or ill fortune alone or with many that christmas above all else is the day for forgiven and forgettin' the guests were gone and the trapper seated himself in front of the fireplace and called the two dogs to his side it was a signal that they had heard many times and they responded with happy hearts each rested his muzzle on the trapper's knee and fixed his large hazel love-lighted eyes wistfully on his master's face the old man placed a large and age wrinkled hands on either head, and murmured Whether ye be in sorrow or joy, friends come and go, but until death enters kentle or cabin, the hunter and his hounds bide together. The lad camps beyond sight and beyond hearin'. Henry be on the other side of the world tonight, and guests be gone. Rover, your muzzle be as grey as my head, and few be livin' of the many we have met on the trail and the trapper lifted his eyes and looked around the large and empty room and then added it took me good many years yes it sartinly took me a good many years but if i've learned a lesson o christmas a leetle late i've learned it at last but the cabin does look a leetle empty now that the guests be gone no the lad can never come back and henry is on the other side of the world and there's no good in longin but I do wish I could jest touch the boy's hand. Friends, come and go, but until death enters kennel or cabin, the hunter and his hounds bide together. Ah, friends, dear friends, as years go on and heads get grey, how fast the guests do go. Touch hands, touch hands with those that stay. Strong hands to weak, old hands to young, around the Christmas board. Touch hands. The faults forget. The foe forgive. For every guest will go, and every fire burn low, and cabin empty stand. Forget, forgive. For who may say that Christmas Day may ever come to host or guest again? Touch hands. End of part nine, section two. End of a Christmas miscellany, twenty nineteen by various authors.